following audio is from Deering Christian Church. Join us Sunday mornings at 10.15 or check us out at DeeringChristian.org. How many of you this year, not just ever, how many of you this year have already watched at least one time Home Alone? Got a few of you. Okay, very good. Now, how many of you have watched Home Alone, period? And you know what I'm talking about, Home Alone. All right, so you just, that's like the vast majority, so I'm going to expect some help here, okay? Here's my question for you. I need some participation here, and what I, the way I want you to participate is telling me, in Home Alone, you know, you got Kevin, little Kevin McAllister, all right? And then you've got Harry and Marv. Absolutely, Harry and Marv. All right, now here's my question for you. What is your favorite trap set by Kevin for Harry and Marv? Just, just, just throw them out there. What you got? What you got? Into the basement? Is that, is that one? Is that season one? Is that like, that's the first one. Just making sure. We're only going, we're only going. See, it is almost like season, you know. The Christmas season, Christmas season one, Christmas season two, Christmas season three. Okay, we're just sticking with Christmas season one today. We've got to narrow this down. Okay, very good. The ride on the stairs. Okay, what else? What else? Go. Just throw them out there. You don't have to. The, the, the doorknob. The doorknob. Put the M on his hand. Very, very good. What else? Oh, I forgot about that. That was pretty good. What else we got? Just the what? The iron. Pull in to turn the, the, the light on in the basement. Iron comes down, cracks him in the face. Excellent. Very good. You guys are doing good. What? The spider. Somebody's got to talk about the spider. Somebody does. Any, any, we got any others? Okay. I got like five of them right there. I heard stairs, paint cans, stairs, ice on stairs, nail. Got that one, anybody? Upside down on the stairs. You know what's crazy about this? I would take, like, anything short of, like, taking my life, any level of pain over stepping on an upside-down nail with my bare foot. I, I don't know what it is about that that just, like, turns me inside out on the inside. All right, so, all right, well, very, very good. I'm sure we could do this all day long, especially if we put season two and season three into it. Okay, all right. Um, here's my question. First a statement, then a question. Harry and Marv weren't supposed to be there. To be honest with you, Kevin wasn't supposed to be there either. But Harry and Marv were definitely not supposed to be there. And I know that when it comes to Christmas celebrations, I would be willing to bet every single family has a Harry and a Marv that shows up and makes things really, really interesting. Hold that thought for just a moment. We've been talking about adoring And we began this two weeks ago, and we started with with the angels. The angels showed up to adore the Lord, all right? They praised God. And then after that, we had the shepherds. We talked about that last week. The shepherds show up to praise God. And what we get this week, and you'll hear me use these, these terms interchangeably, the magi, the wise men. Now, a little bit about the Magi and Wise Men, and maybe before we even get started, we've got to clear up a couple of misunderstandings about the Wise Men. Um, so far, we've been talking about Luke chapter 2. What that means is that is the time when Jesus was born, all right? But to get 
the Magi and the wise men, we leave Luke and we go to Matthew 2. It's interesting to me that Matthew wrote about this because Matthew wrote his, his account mainly for a Jewish audience. And he pulls these Magi from the other side of the world, well, known world, into the story. And we'll talk about that more here in just a little bit. But misunderstanding number one is this. There were not three wise men. Like, wait a minute, preacher. I sung the song, We Three Kings. I know it's right. No, there were three gifts that were given by the Magi. So therefore, we just kind of, well, there's three. The three gifts must be three because everybody brought a present. You know, you can't get into the party without a present. Well, this is the deal. They traveled a long ways to get there. And they traveled through some pretty rough territory to get there. They are not going alone. They have a caravan with them. They probably have guards and servants and all kinds of things, an entourage, with you will, tra- with, if you will, traveling with them. So, so there's not just three. No, we don't even know how many wise men there were. Right? That's misunderstanding number one. Misunderstanding number two, they did not show up at the manger. Okay, that's again why this is in Matthew chapter 2. They showed up a period of time later. Right? Joseph and Mary made their home in Bethlehem. And there's probably a reason for that. It's tough to go back home. And she's, I mean, this, this little baby boy that she's having before they even came together as husband and wife. I mean, this is going to be, there's going to be talk, 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 talk. And the Bethlehem is kind of, it's kind of ancient home to them. So it's like, well, let's just stay here. And they made their home in Bethlehem. And we learn from the tragic part of this story a little bit later that Herod wanting to do away with Jesus, would have all of the young boys in Bethlehem and the area around it killed from the age of two and younger. So Jesus is more likely a toddler. The wise men, I'm sorry, even, even our nativity over here has the wise men. They were not there. All right, That's misunderstanding number two. This is a period of time later. Magi. It's interesting. We get from this Greek word, we get our English word magic. Okay, matter of fact, this, this word is used once again to describe a guy in the book of Acts. Not Simon Peter, but a guy named Simon who was a sorcerer. Um, the, the magi, uh, they, were, they were a little bit about these magi. They were worshipers of false gods, all right? They, they were astrologers. Now, I always got this confused, and I still to this day do sometimes. There is a difference between an astronomer and an astrologer, okay? An astronomer studies the stars. An astrologer studies the stars for the purpose of finding out what the future holds, right? A big, big difference there. And they were both astronomers and astrologers. More about that here in a little bit. They were Persian scholars. They came from a part of the world that is not unknown to us in Scripture. As a matter of fact, we need to remember that the Jews as a nation, the nation of Judah, they had spent 70 years in captivity in this part of the world. They called it Babylon at that time. Okay? They were taken, they were utterly, they were utterly wiped out by the, the Babylonian nation. I mean, everything, they destroyed the temple, they destroyed everything. And they took the best and the brightest of the nation of Judah and took them out of their homes and took them back to Babylon with them. Um, we find out specifically about a few of these. Probably the most famous that we know about is Daniel. Okay, so something we have to remember, around 400, a little more 400 years ago, Daniel was in Babylon, which is now this area of Persia, the Medes and the Persians, and Daniel did some writing. He was a pretty sharp guy. 
while he was there. And most likely it was his writing. And this is interesting because here in a few weeks we're going to start into a sermon series from the book of Daniel. I'm real excited about it. It was his writing that probably led these magi to Jerusalem over 400 years later. As I've already said, they were astrologers. In other words, they believed that the gods spoke through the signs in the heavens. All right? And they saw something incredibly unique that happened in the sky above them. I mean, they were studiers of the sky. If something happened, they were going to see it. And they saw something that was amazing. Now, I'm going to read from, uh, I just stole a quote from Mark Moore's um, Chronological Life of Christ because this is just really, really interesting to me. I love to see that today's study and the history of the world matches up so well with what we find in Scripture. I mean, there's no accident for that. This thing that I hold in my hand is true. It happened. Okay? So, what, what astronomers, now not astrologers, okay, astronomers in our time, with the help of computers, have sought to determine the alignment of the natural celestial bodies, which would have been visible for Mesopotamia about 6 BC. That's about the time of the birth of Christ. There did seem to be an alignment of Jupiter and Saturn in the constellation of Pisces about 6 BC. This usually happens only once every 800 years, but took place three times, May, October, and December, near the time of Jesus' birth. And a year later, the planet Mars joined the party. All right? All of that being said, all of that background, let's jump into God's Word and turn to Matthew. It's the very first book of our New Testament. I'm going to be reading for New American Standard. You can see kind of in my Bible about where it's at here, all right? First book of the New Testament written by the disciple Matthew, the tax collector, before he became a follower of Jesus. We're going to be reading Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. And this is what it says. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. Gathering together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what has been written by the prophet, And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah. For out of you will come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called the Magi and determined from them the exact time the star appeared. And then he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child, and when you have found him, report to me, so that I too may come and worship him. After hearing the king, they went their way, and the star which they had seen in the east went on before them until it came and stood over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And after coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. And they fell to the ground and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod, the Magi left for their own country by another way. 
You know, we talked last week after Jesus' birth how um, seemingly to us unusual it would be that God would choose for the human, first human worshipers of his newborn son to be the shepherds. They were very much on the low end of the social totem pole. They were outcasts, if you will. And it's interesting that God chose them to come worship. And looking at this story from afar, if you will, you might think, well, now Jesus is going to get what he deserves. I mean, these are, we three kings, all right. I mean, we've sung the song. I mean, these, these guys are royalty, and they're coming to worship Jesus. That's the kind of worship he deserves. And that might be what we think, and I'm not quite sure that's accurate to what a Jewish person of that day would think. More about that here in a little bit. Let's dig, first of all, a little deeper into this encounter in Matthew chapter 2. I think the first thing that we see, and some of you have already seen by the show of hands, you will identify with this, a Christmas road trip, all right? And what we have here is we have our Magi making a road trip. Um, I did a little research this week, and it backed up to what I had heard earlier, because I hadn't studied this in depth, but I'd always heard that this trip was ballpark around a 400-mile trip, 400 miles from from where the Magi were to Jerusalem. 400 miles. And guys, understand, 400 miles in that day, in that time, was a little bit different than 400 miles today. They traveled through rough country. As we've already said, they didn't travel alone. I mean, this was a big, this was a big group traveling, a group that would catch the attention of those in Jerusalem when a group like this shows up. They traveled to Jerusalem because of the ancient writing, probably from Daniel, that, that this king of the Jews, they don't know a whole lot of details here. They just have bits and pieces. So they go to Jerusalem since it's the Jewish capital. It's the city of the Jews. And they arrive there and they are, like I said, they're not unnoticed. People notice when they arrive and they go straight to the king Herod. And it's interesting to me how Matthew writes this about the question that they ask and what they back that up with. They say, where is the one who's been born king of the Jews? We saw the star in the east. Is that what they said? We saw, what's your Bible say? His star. We saw his star in the east. Now remember, these are astrologers. They believe that the gods speak through the stars, and they entitled this star, the star of this newborn king. And they show up, and they go straight to the king, which most people would think, well, that's probably pretty natural. You know, if you want to find the next king, go to the king now. But that's a problem when you're dealing with King Herod, okay? And the next thing we see in this account is we see that, that Herod is disturbed, and everyone else is disturbed as well. The Nagi naturally go to the king of the current, the current king of the Jews, and he goes to Jerusalem, They go to Herod, and if you look closely at your account there in Matthew 2, you will find that it wasn't just Herod who was disturbed. It says all of Jerusalem was disturbed with him. Well, there's a reason for that. The reason is this. Herod was rotten. I mean rotten in a lot of different ways. For one thing, he was deathly ill. His his body was, I mean, I just got to be straight with it, it's pretty disgusting. The word that um, I read commentators use was putrefied. All right, and but it wasn't only him physically that was rotten. He was emotionally and psychologically rotten as well. He had already killed a number of his sons because he was afraid they were going to steal his throne. He killed his mother-in-law. He killed his wife. 
Matter of fact, there was a saying that was said about King Herod, not in his presence, because he, he was a Jew, although he obviously did not live up to the law by any means, but he lived up to certain parts of it. And we all know that swine, pigs are unclean to a Jew. So it was said about Herod, you'd be better off being his pig than his son. That's the type of person we're talking about. And that's who the Magi go to ask about this new king. When a powerful, psychotic guy like Herod is disturbed, everyone is disturbed, not knowing how he's going to react. Herod is disturbed, but he needs more information. So Herod goes to the chief priests, he goes to the teachers of the law, and he finds out from them, he says, he says okay, there's something about a star here, something about a new king. What, what are we getting at? Where, where is this king to be born? Well, they, they dug into the prophets, and they found that, well, the place that this king had been born earlier was Bethlehem. Bethlehem. Okay, so he goes, so he goes over here to, this is Herod. Goes over here to the religious people and finds out where born. Okay. Then he goes back over here, it says secretly. He goes back over here in secret to the wise men, the magi, and he says, he finds out when born. He finds out from them to find out exactly when this star appeared. So it's Herod alone that has the where and the when. So then Herod calls the magi back in and he says, Bethlehem is the place. You go there, make a careful search, and when you find the child, report back to me so that I too may go and worship him. How did Herod come up with this master plan of his to to kill all the young boys in that area from age two below. I tell you how. He went to the Magi and found out when the star appeared. And from that, he decided that that's the boys that would be killed. But I'm stepping ahead of the game here just a little bit. Because Herod now is hoping to find out where specifically the boy is so he can kill him. But the timing of this is all very, very important because God, in his knowledge, knows what is about to take place. And I'm certain that those magi could go into Bethlehem. We're not talking about a giant metropolis here. We're talking about a village of Bethlehem. But to just put an exclamation point on all of this and make sure the timing is right, look what happens next. These guys have spent their lives studying the stars. If something happened in the heavens, they noticed it, but they'd never seen anything like this. The star, the Christmas star, if you will. Now, we kind of entitle it that because, because we think about the Magi coming to the manger. They did not come to the manger. They went to a house. But still, that Christmas star showed up the time Jesus was born. So I guess we can call it the Christmas star. And guess what happened with that Christmas star? It moved. And it moved in such a way. Wouldn't you love to have seen that? It showed them a house, a home, where this little boy lived. Now, what did that look like? I mean, I would, wouldn't that be amazing? I mean, did they like the star? Like, did like, 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 like a falling star? 
and then it just stopped, like, 30 feet over the house, you know? Like, boom. I mean, is that, or, or was, was, was there just like this light that only came down? We don't know. We don't know. All we know is the star moved, and these astronomers, astrologers, both, they were both, they'd never seen anything like this. And what does the Bible say their reaction to seeing this was? They rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. Is, is the writer trying to make an emphasis of something here? They were excited. They were happy. They'd never seen anything like this. And the star made its way to a home. And they went in that home. And they found a little boy. And they fell to the ground in front of this boy and worshipped. More about that here in a second. And then they opened their gifts, and these were gifts made for a king. It's like Jesus finally got what he deserved. I mean, these are gifts of royalty, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And then once again, God shows up to these Magi, these wise men, and lets them know, don't go back to that fox herd. (laughs) No. You go home in secret. And that's what they did. Adore him. We talked about the angels adoring Jesus, worshiping God. And I can tell you right now, when I think about that, I'm like, Yes, that's, the, that's like perfect. I mean, that's the type of praise that God deserves for his plan coming to fruition here. His plan starting to get rolling here in this world. Praise God, the angels. Yeah, absolutely. And then we jumped last week into the shepherds, and it's kind of like, uh, okay. I mean, I kind of like it. You know, I'm, I'm very much a redneck, okay? Uh, so I kind of like the, the shepherds coming to worship Jesus. I mean, a little strange maybe, but okay. But you know what? When it comes to the Magi, a Jew of that day would say to them coming and worshiping their king, no way. What happened to the Jews 400 years ago? Their capital city ransacked the temple, destroyed And the people in this part of the world did it and took them captive. And not only that, you've got these magi who worship false gods. You know what those false gods most often represented? Demons. You got them looking to the skies to see what the gods are saying to them. They're sorcerers. They're the outright enemies of God. Why are they worshiping Jesus? Shouldn't somebody else have been worshiping Jesus in this scenario? Have you ever thought about those chief priests and those scribes over here? They're experts in the law and the prophets. They're Jews. They're religious. They are the religious. They are the, they are 
they not only know it, but they think they live it too. I mean, they are, they are up here, okay? They find out from the Magi that the king has been born. They know from the prophets that the baby was born in Bethlehem. My question is, where were they? Why weren't they worshiping here? It's, it's just so crazy to me. And Jesus spells it out later in his parables. If the ones who are supposed to be worshiping will not worship. If the ones who are supposed to be at the party don't show up, then we're going to find somebody else come to this party. And guess what happens? Harry and Marv show up to worship the king of kings. And when we see this, we get a picture of what is to come. Now, I got a question for you. The the Magi, God shows up in a dream, tells them to go back home. Do you think they kept quiet when they got back home? I don't think so. I think they told everybody. I think they told their astronomer, astronomer, and astrologer buddies, guess what we saw? The star moved, and we followed it, and it went and stood over a house. A what? A house should have been there. Amazing. And we went in this home, and this carpenter builder guy and his wife, humble people, and this little toddler. Didn't look all that special, just looked like a little boy, but that's where the star was. So we worshiped. Now they went back home and they spoke about not the gods, but the God who can orchestrate all of that and how powerful he must be. And what we get from this is a picture of what's to come. These enemies of God come, fall down before the toddler boy Jesus and worship him. And then as I read through Jesus and the rest of his story, you know what I find? I find a murdering thief on a cross. And Jesus turns to that murdering thief on a cross and he says what to him? Because he humbled himself, today you will be with me where? Paradise. Steve today in his communion medication talked about, he talked about, talked about Paul, who used to be named Saul. And we know him from what he wrote so much of our New Testament. You know what Saul, Paul was when he was Saul? He was a terrorist. He was a murdering, religious, fanatic, terrorist. Until Jesus turned his life around. And as we continue throughout history, we see God showing up in the lives of his enemies. And those people becoming his followers again and again, and again, and again. 
And it all started with a little toddler boy in a home. And a group of demon-worshipping wise guys show up and worship him. Because God's love is just that big.